Great. All right. So we are on, how many weeks have we been doing this? Well, we've been coming up with these catchy little titles. How many weeks? This is the fifth week? Wow. Last week, Love and Liberation. Week before that, Healing and Harvest. This week, we are going to keep with the same pattern. I got one coming in a couple of weeks. I'm just going to give you this. It's called Grit and Grace. Oh, Grit and Grace. This one's going to be strong, but this one today, equally strong, hopefully. Let's pray, you know. This message today is called Agreement and Amen. Agreement and Amen. That's an interesting title, Agreement and Amen. So I'm glad you asked. I can feel in the spirit you're asking why. (laughs) Agreement and Amen. I'm so glad you asked. The enemy is after our agreement. What do I mean? He, he wants to bring division to you and I as brothers and sisters in Christ. Because I don't know if you know this, the enemy knows the word. He actually tempted the devil with the word and twisted it. So he knows that there are certain blessings, certain blessings on certain things in the Bible And he wants to come after certain things in the church to destroy it or to keep it going, but it's powerless. Disagreement is is a weird thing in our culture because we come up with all these phrases that make it okay. Have you heard the one, I agree to disagree? (laughs) That's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. It doesn't even make, think about that. Let's just agree to disagree. So you're basically giving up on unity. So you're just going to agree that you don't agree. Wait a minute. Uh, We're we're not going to keep talking about this. We're not going to keep trying to flush this out. Let's just agree to disagree. There is an attack on the church's agreement, and you're going to understand why, hopefully, in the last 32 minutes that I have, because the, the, the enemy knows that where there is agreement, there is a special anointing on the word amen. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's, when people can agree, that amen is no joke. And what the enemy knows is that if the church is arguing between conservative and liberal, between is there racial injustice or is it a media narrative, then amen, you might as well group it in just to be a four-letter word. It has no power where there is no agreement. You can pray a prayer that is out of alignment with the spirit and your amen means nothing. You can say, you know what? I'm going to win the lottery this year. Amen. And the spirit goes, no, you ain't, brother. That's how the spirit speaks to me. So the amen means nothing. The enemy doesn't want you to understand the power of agreement, and he doesn't want you to understand the power of amen. There is a power in the unity of agreement in the church, and there is a power when you say amen. I have a newsflash for you, Oasis. Amen is not just to let everybody know the prayer is over. Amen is your yes in your spirit to what you... Oh, my God. Amen is your yes in the spirit. So even when your flesh and your fears is saying no, when you say in Jesus name, amen, you are literally saying in Jesus name, yes. I'm telling you right now, I feel like preaching. 
So if the enemy can bring division into the church, then we can shout amen. But where there is division, the Holy Spirit is often saying no when the church is saying amen. There's too much division for me to answer that prayer. There's too much strife for me to answer that prayer. My kids are fighting. Anybody a parent? Oh, my God. If my kids be fighting, man. My kids fight so much sometimes. Sometimes I'm like, I'm about to fight y'all. Y'all keep fighting. <laughs> like, we, everybody about to be fighting up in here. It's like, we all about to be fighting, y'all. Stop fighting. You know, you just had that moment as a parent. Like, Dad, I'm one. Oh, that's okay. You go know how to take a punch today. Keep tripping. I'm going to get email. <laughs> I'm going to get email. I remember one time I was living in my old apartment building. I hurt my finger, by the way. Uh, I was <laughs> just get, I'll, I'll put it in the chat when I'm watching on survey on Sunday. Uh, but <laughs> one time I was walking in this, my old apartment building, and I was... Uh, there was a blind corner, so I could hear this, this woman getting out of the elevator with her two young kids. And I was coming down this way, and she was coming out of the elevator. I heard the ding, heard her get out. And I heard her kids going at it in the elevator. And the elevator, ding, opens up, and all I hear is her get out of the elevator. And I hear, just as she's coming around the corner to see me, all I hear is, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. And right when she got that fourth shut up out, we came into contact. So imagine she's yelling at her kids. Her kids are like seven and five. She goes, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. And we're like staring at each other. And she's like, you have kids? And I'm like, yeah. She's like, so you get it. I'm like, I get it. I get it. She had literally lost her patience. And I'm so grateful that our heavenly father is so patient. Because if he wasn't, I feel like believers are arguing so much right now. If he wasn't patient, he'd be in heaven going, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. How many times are you going to post someone's failure? How many times are you going to, are y'all really going to keep going at it? Oh, I feel like the heaven and heaven are going, the kids are fighting again. And my kids love each other. Their just stage and maturity does not allow them to stop fighting. So their ability to not fight is directly related to their maturity to be able to reconcile things without fighting. And when the church can do that as brothers and sisters in Christ, we can get into agreement and we put an anointing on our amen. I'm telling you. I'm going to read a passage of scripture to you that I think is going to change your life. It's in Matthew 18, verses 15 through 20. And the, the heading of it, I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Um, it, it says, if your brother sins against you. Now, this is not just gender. When you see brother in the Bible, it, it, it means brother or sister. This, this is if your brother sins against you, what should you do? And that word sin means if your brother or your sister misses the mark. So you have a mark, you have an expectation, and they miss it. Verse 15 says this, if your brother sins against you, Go and tell him or her his fault between you and him alone. I, 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 this is a hard time. I don't know if the writer Matthew, inspired by the Holy Spirit, would have, I don't know how he would have written it had it been in this time. What would he have said? Would he have said, hey, if you got an issue with somebody, don't post it in the story 
Don't subtweet anybody. Don't be passive aggressive. Talk to them about it. That's what he probably would have said. He said, between you and him alone, alone. Don't put it on the internet, alone. Now, if you don't have his phone number, I think it should say, be quiet. Because what happens is you put disagreement in the natural realm. Do you hear what I'm saying? If you don't, you better pray. And I get it. There's craziness going on. I'm trying to encourage you that the enemy wants to remove the anointing off of your amen by putting you in a constant state of disagreement with your brothers and sisters in Christ. If your brother sins against you, go and talk to them alone. And if they listen, you have gained your brother. If they listen, you have gained a sister. We, we had a, a, a shooting of, of another black man, Jacob Blake, and um, people don't want to hear about these things. They don't, they don't want to hear. I have friends who follow me on the internet and they don't want to hear about it and maybe they're not posting about it. And, you know, if I post about it and I say that I'm hurting, they don't say anything about it. They, they don't, they're not listening. And if they would listen, I would gain a brother. Do you understand the power of listening? And here's the crazy thing. If they would reach out and respond and I would listen to them, they would gain a brother. I wonder if we're really hurting so deeply in this country is because we have long lost brothers and sisters. And what we witnessed on video is not, don't, I, I, and some people are going to get mad. This is not, the media narrative is true. They want to pump in our minds that this is about a white man killing a black man. Yes, it involves that. But in the spiritual realm, this is a brother killing his brother. Would you shoot your brother in the back seven times? If he pulled over his brother and his brother was resisting arrest, no one's going to make me believe that there is a cop in America that would pull over his brother and shoot his brother in the back seven times, seven times, seven times. If people would just listen, we'd gain a brother. We'd gain a brother. And if I would listen, they would gain a brother. Listening is a two-way street if there's going to be a brotherhood. I've had to listen to some people that I have regretted listening to. <laughs> so tell me what you think. What you been reading? I'm like, oh, no. I shouldn't answer that question. <laughs> and you open the door, I get all kind of DMs with all kind of people just like, they put that article, coronavirus isn't real. I'm like, oh, God, man, I shouldn't have asked you. <laughs> but at least I got a brother. You the brother that ain't coming over for Christmas, but you my brother, know that. <laughs> oh, oh, what y'all doing for Christmas? Nothing. <laughs> he listens to you. You've gained a brother. I honestly believe that you can interpret scripture in reverse pretty much all the time. If they don't listen, they lose a brother. 
people say, hey, Pastor Julian, I, I just, I think that post sometimes or this thing, I, I don't know if we should be divisive. Nah, man, I, I'm not being divisive. The divisiveness comes from the lack of listening, not what I said. The division comes from when people refuse to hear, not when people talk. I'm not being divisive. My mouth didn't divide us. Your ears divided us. Doesn't say anything about what this guy said. It said if he listens, he's gained a brother. So when people aren't listening, they're losing brothers. They're losing sisters. There's loss when people don't listen. When people don't listen. This, the, the Bible says in Matthew 5, 23 through, through 24, this is so important. It says in verse 23, so if you're offering your gift at the altar, let's say the altar is a big church word for like the front of the church now, but back in the day, there was like an altar and I don't have time to get into that. But let's say you're coming and you're offering your gift before the altar, but you, you're mad at somebody. It says you're offering your gift at the altar and there, whoo, at the place of sacrifice, the place where you are about to give God your all, everything. And you remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come, uh, come and offer your gift. Okay, so the building, the altar would have been in a building. And the building is closed. So what he's saying is, I don't want you in my building. Oh, my God. You want to know why I'm not arguing with Gavin Newsom? I'm too busy reconciling. I'm too busy putting down what I was going to give God in the building because this verse would suggest that God doesn't want you in the building if you are not with your brother. Oh, this is a tough one, huh? He's like, what's that movie with the black dude? Get out. That's what it is. Get out. Y'all got to go. I should have named this message. Y'all got to go. Y'all got to go. You got to go. The Holy Spirit, when you bring your sacrifice to the altar and you have something in your heart to Republicans or something in your heart to Democrats or something in your heart to this person or that person, the Spirit of the Lord says, get out of the building and go, go and first be reconciled to your brother and then come back and offer your gift I didn't know that there was a gift that God doesn't want. You might be preparing that this is the year to give everything to God, to Jesus. And Jesus says, I don't want that. I don't want that. We, we as parents, we, the highlight of our day, the best day that I've ever had with my family are days when the kids get along. And the worst day I've ever had with my family are when they don't. Have you given God a bad day today? Because you keep fighting. The kids are fighting again. He says, get out of here. The enemy, he, like, I'll tell you what, man. He's a strategist. Because he closed the building so you couldn't see people to reconcile. And then he gave us a lot of things to argue about. 
Watch this in Proverbs 17. This is why. Proverbs 17, verse 17 is a friend loves at all times. Isn't that a beautiful verse? Loves at all times. Friend loves. Oh, my gosh. Don't you just love a good friend? Friend will just come over. Brianna and Warren are great friends. My wife preached her first message. They showed up with flowers. I preached my first message. I don't think I got anything. That's okay. Men, we don't give each other stuff for preaching the first. We just like fist bump. But she's, they're so kind. They give her flowers. It's amazing. Great friend. Have you read that next verse? But a brother is born for adversity. Is this not the season of the most adversity ever in our lifetime? And we're separated from our brothers and sisters in Christ through division. So the enemy sent the adversity, but then also sent the division. Because the person you are arguing with that is a fellow believer in Christ was born to help you get through the pandemic. And you're you're separated. Ephesians 2 verses 14 through 15 says this, for Christ himself brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people. Christ did that. I'm so glad we're protesting, but Jews and Gentiles were of different race. And the Bible says that he brought peace to us and he united us, Jews and Gentiles. He united the races into one people when in his own body. On the cross, he broke down the wall of the hostility that separated us. And the enemy wants to put the wall back. The enemy wants to put the wall back because he knows, he knows that, that, that broken down walls between brothers and sisters and Christ walking in agreement puts an anointing on amen. Prayer is no joke when we're in agreement. Said Christ died to remove the hostility. And watch this, verse 15. He did this. How did he do it? By ending the system of the law with his commandments and regulations. The law was creating systemic injustice because the people who were following it and were benefiting from it were rejecting the people who were not. So there wasn't anything that God felt with the law. There's stuff wrong with our laws, but there was nothing wrong with God's law. God, Bible says God's law is perfect and holy, but God was ready to get rid of his own law if it separated believers. He was willing not to get rid of it because Christ fulfilled it, but he was, when I say get rid of it, I mean he was willing to not make us have to follow it and have Christ fulfill the whole law If this is going to get in between my kids and Gentiles and Jews are going to fighting, I can't get rid of the law. So get ridding of systemic injustice was God's idea. But it was not so the person who was oppressed could get what God had for them. You listen, listen, Nebuchadnezzar in the Bible was balling out of control. His palace was lit. Uh, they don't say it anymore, do they? Is it Liddy now? What's the newest one? Give me something else then. Fire. 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 Turn. Turn. Don't they say tough, right? 
his palace was tough. <laughs> that, old, that old guy that wait for the slang and still deliver the point. I'm 43. I got no shame. Nebuchadnezzar was balling and he was a Gentile. He was balling. And you know how Nebuchadnezzar lost his palace? Because he stood on his balcony one day and he said, look at this. I built, built all of this on my own. And Daniel rebuked him and told Nebuchadnezzar that you will be like a wild animal. Your hair is going to be all long. Your nails, you're going to need a pedicure and a manicure because you took credit for something God gave you. Wow. So wait a minute. So then in this verse, the systemic injustice that God removed was not about making sure that people could get equality, get what the people who had a lot. It wasn't about because both people, whether they followed God or not, were getting that. He removed the system of the law because it was keeping people from being brothers and sisters. Both people, whether they followed God or not, God would make these crazy choices to bless non-believers and believers. The Bible says that he puts rain on the just and unjust alike. But why he wanted to end systemic injustice is so that people would come together. Verse 15, he did this, broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. And he made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. So the point of the laws changing is not so that me as a black man can get all that God has for me. My obedience and my surrender gets all that God has for me. I want the laws to change because brothers are killing brothers. I want the laws to change because I've lost too many brothers because these laws won't change. There's too many people that I want to be reunited with. Do you know that there's a white person right now that probably doesn't look favorable upon black people, but God in his mercy will send that white person to heaven? And there is a black person that he didn't look, favor that he didn't look favorably on, and that black person will end up in heaven. And you know what that white person who has that racism in his heart and God will give mercy and goes to heaven. You know what the white person will say to the black person in heaven? He'll say, I missed you, brother. I missed you. I wish the brotherhood that we have in eternity we could have had on earth. I'm praying for these systems to change, but I'm not praying for them to change so I can get what God has for my generations. That's coming either way. And matter of fact, the oppression helps me out if you're not careful. Because the Bible says in the book of Exodus, the more that Pharaoh oppressed the Israelites, the more they multiplied, flourished, and grew. So I'm telling you, this oppression in this country is fertilizer on the seeds I've been sowing. Oh, my God. You're not going to have me believe that I have to rely on the economy for my provision. You're not going to have me believe that, that candidates need to change for me to walk in blessing. If I walk in the spirit, I'm going to walk in blessing. And I'm believing for every systemic injustice in this nation to be gone so that brothers and sisters can be reunited and God the Father can have the privilege of just one day 
where his kids aren't fighting. And then once we're walking in agreement, you know what will happen? We can start to say some powerful, powerful amens. One theologian said it this way. When, when two alienated Christians, two separated Christians, with or without a mediator, come together to work toward a reconciliation despite all the anger and hurt that separate them, they are humbled and strengthened by the awareness that Christ is in their midst. It is for his sake that they search for a solution to the problem. If you go back to that verse, in verse 16, it says, but... These are all the things that can happen when we listen. We can gain a brother. And verse 16, though, says, but if he does not listen or she does not listen, take one or two others along with you. Get them in a group chat. Talk in person. Social distancing for with a mask on. And that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the whole church. He's not listening. I'm telling the whole church people are not listening. I've tried to tell people in person. I try to get in a couple of groups. Now I'm just telling the whole church, people aren't listening, both sides. If you said, yeah, they're not listening, you're not listening. If you said, yeah, I'm not listening, oh, welcome. You're about to gain a brother or a sister. It says, tell it to the whole church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Ooh. It's a strong verse, right? Because he's talking to Jewish people. They already hated Gentiles and tax collectors. So what people think this verse means is they mean, they think that Jesus is saying, and if they don't listen, treat them like you would a Gentile or a tax collector. And the Jews might have gone, yes, we get to be mean to them. No, that's not what it means. He's talking to his disciples and he's saying that if they don't listen, they cannot be sent, but you can sit, but you can't send them. Jesus sat with a Gentile and a tax collector, but he never sent a Gentile or a tax collector into his mission field until they repented. So the difference is, is I can sit with people that I don't agree with and they can be my brother, but we, we, we can't do this together until we come on the same page. And we got to be willing to sit long enough. See, the thing about it is, is he's saying, he's not saying to, tr to treat them bad. He's saying that they can't be on the mission with you during this season. If they don't listen, they can't be on mission. Isn't that that rhyme? Yeah, that's right. But you hear what I'm saying? I don't need to be unified on a mission with people who refuse to listen. But that doesn't mean that I don't love them. That means that I don't know if they can be in this vehicle that I'm going to what God has for me in this season. And, it, and, it, and, it, and it's tough, but he's saying, truly I say to you, he got, and, and the temptation is cool, I get to move on from people, but no, 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 no. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. So he's trying to encourage you to reconcile that a disagreement 
so that when you start asking God, you're asking God with no issue in your heart towards your fellow man. And he's saying, if you do this, oh my God, when you say, amen, something's going to shift. This is not, we, we say in church all the time, I've done it. MC moment. Come on, give Jesus some praise. Come on, isn't God in our midst? Come, the Bible says there are two or more gathered. He's in our midst. Right? We say that? And like, look at how many people are in here. It's way more than two people. So, how much is God here? He's here. He's here. verse is not talking about two people who never met each other and, and, and drive in their cars and worship Jesus. He's talking about two people who have worked out a disagreement and now they're standing in the presence of God. Those people, their prayers, my God. I'm putting anointing on that amen. So if you worked out a disagreement with your brother or sister in Christ because he's giving the rules for working out disagreements. So there's this assumption there. And many Bible scholars would agree that this is not just about two people praying. And as long as there's two, then God's going to do something. No, many Bible scholars agree that if two people who have gathered together have worked out their differences and then they pray. Man. Oh, what God would do. Somebody who used to disagree, now agree, puts an anointing on the amen. Think about this for a second. Think about this. The Bible says, it's suggesting to you and I that this is so difficult, so challenging, that God says, I just, give me two. There's 2,500 people in the church. You would think that God says, okay, let me do some percentages. 2,500 people. Okay, for me to really put a special note on amen, two more gather together. If any two agree, I mean, they've got, that, that would be a church of like 10. So if there's a church of 2,500, we probably need 500 people to agree. No, God's saying people don't do this so much. I, if I could just find two of y'all that could work this out and worship together, the, these two people can start asking. These two people can start asking and I'll start moving because y'all worked out your differences. I feel like God is saying, if I could get a liberal, a leftist, we come up with all these nicknames. If I could get a leftist, I see pastors posting about those liberal leftists who are trying to steal our nation. And God is saying, if I could get you and that liberal leftist in the same room in agreement, so I'll put an anointing on your amen. I could get you to stop categorizing them and start praying with them. Yes. Woo! Yes. Those conservatives. Those conservatives. <laughs> you just wait. You vote like your life depends on it. 
That's I saw that in a meme. Vote like your life depends on it. God said, if I could just get y'all to agree, y'all could pray, and ain't nobody's life need to depend on nothing. I'm going to move. Y'all need to vote. It didn't say if two people can cast the same ballot. It says, no, if two people agree and walk in agreement, not only would you have a brother or a sister who's born for the adversity of the season you're in, but you would have one of the most powerful amens a believer could pray. And God said, just give me two. Just give me two people. I don't need much. I just need two. And agreement, by the way, is not talking to someone and convincing them that you were right. That is called convincing. That's not agreement. Agreement is a harmony of voices. And it means that we're agreeing because we're in one accord. We're like-minded, which means both people have the mind of Christ. So when they open their mouth to speak, they say the same thing because they don't have a Republican or a Democratic mind. They have the mind of Christ. And so when they talk, they talk based on what the Spirit is saying, is telling them to say, and therefore they say the same thing and they're in agreement. It's like harmony. So when you see our worship leaders sing, when our worship leaders sing on platform, they, you notice that when we start the service, they're not having a discussion about what to sing. They're not going, this is a move. Hey, you get the high. This is, while you're watching it, they're not working it out. It's worked out. So then now when they sing, they're singing in harmony. But before they actually get up here, we don't film this part or show it to you. They work out their harmonies to get their harmonies on the same page so that when they sing, there doesn't need to be discussion. One of the reasons why our worship team is so powerful is because people are singing in agreement. They agree about what the worship song says. They agree about what God is doing. They agree. Now, if they don't agree on the key, the song is going to sound different even if both people are right. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I feel the Holy Spirit up in here. You got to understand this about music. If, if Sam sings in G and, and Brianna sings in, in, in F sharp, they could be singing those notes correctly, but it would sound terrible because it doesn't matter that they're right. It matters that they're unified in harmony. I want to give you an example. Okay. Y'all, we're going to sing. Y'all going to sing it right. Okay. Sing it right. Okay. This is, I don't know what key this is, but y'all go ahead. We are here for you. Join in. Come and do what you do. Okay, now that was right. And it was right because they discussed the harmony. Now I want you to sing right, but in the key you were singing, I want you to sing right, but sing right a different key. Go ahead. We are here for you. Come and do. What? Oh, wait, stop, 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 stop. Stop, wait a minute. Why is that so torturous if they're both right? Because they don't agree about what key they should be singing in. Whew. Man, my wife's going to be proud of me on this one. This ain't my first time, but this is a good one. Babe, are you proud of me? Ain't my first rodeo, but somebody about to be proud of me of this, man. 
Do you hear the words that are coming out of my mouth? Why didn't it sound beautiful? Because they were both right. Because it doesn't matter if they were both right. Whenever they're not in harmony, they're both wrong by default. It means to be to harmonize in the sense to agree with each other because we both have the mind of Christ. And the first thing that we need to agree with is not the past of certain people. We don't need to agree about what we feel about the police. I know amazing police officers. It's just not about that. We need to agree and have sympathy with each other who think differently. I can't imagine what it's like to be a Jacob Blake laid up in the hospital paralyzed, shot in the back by somebody who's supposed to be his brother. The first murder in the Bible was Cain and Abel. And God asked him, where is your brother? He saw the murder and he didn't want to know why he killed him. He just wanted to know, where is your brother? And Cain responded, am I my brother's keeper? So the reason why Abel ended up dead is because Cain did not believe he was his brother's protector. Spirit of the Lord is saying, where's your brother? Where's your sister? Where are they? Have sympathy. Can't imagine what it's like to be Jacob Blake and his family. I can't imagine what it's like to be a police officer who served for 30 years. And, and people hate you because of the badge that you wear. And I'm just telling you, we will not Harmony of voices is agreement. I want you to write this down. We will not see change until our sympathy ignites a symphony and the unity of the spirit-filled believers serving Christ and loving our neighbors. You can't get to the symphony without the sympathy, the compassion, the empathy, the love. I'm listening. I don't get it, but I'm listening. And this is both sides. If we do that and we can come into agreement, we are going to have more than just a four-letter word. We're going to have a powerful, powerful anointed. Amen. I'm going to close with this as, as the team comes up. 2 Corinthians 1 verses 17 through 22 says this. Paul had to cancel some plans and he didn't cancel the plans. God changed the plans and he says this. He said in verse 17, you may be asking why I changed my plan. Do you think I make my plans carelessly? Do you think I'm like people of the world who say yes when they really mean no? As surely as God is faithful, our word to you does not waver between yes and no. For Jesus Christ, the Son of God, does not waver between yes and no. He is the one whom Silas, Timothy, and I preached to you. And as God's ultimate yes, as God's ultimate yes, he always does what he says for all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ, through Christ, that is the reconciliation of the brothers and sisters, God's sons and daughters, and through Christ are amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. It is the amen through Christ. And what does the amen through Christ means? It means that that 
amen. I'm not saying to stop saying amen if you don't agree with someone. I'm not saying that. But what that verse means is your amen through Christ, our amen through Christ. He was writing a letter to a church, not a person. And he was saying, if y'all can reconcile your amen through Christ, reconciled in Christ is a yes that ascends and gives glory to God. Which would mean that if we're saying amen outside of the reconciliation that Christ wants to provide between you and God through faith in Jesus, right now, somebody's making a decision to follow Jesus right now. God wants to reconcile your relationship with your heavenly father, and God also wants to reconcile us. And this is going to take time. It's going to take listening. I can't pray this. People just have to start listening. I have to start listening. I have to listen to some stuff I don't want to listen to. But to be honest, I feel like this burden I'm feeling this season is not the lockdown. I miss my brother and the whole, I miss my sister. And the spirit of God is telling his church, where is your brother? So I want to pray for you right now. I want to pray for me. Let me, the hardest thing we've ever had to do is believers. Father, I thank you right now in the name of Jesus. That maybe this is like the move of God we've all been believing. Maybe this is that moment where we had to put down our sacrifice on March 11th. And maybe you're not allowing for us to come back until we start to see some reconciliation between brothers and brothers and brothers and sisters. Lord, we, we need your help, Jesus. We need your mercy. We need your grace. This is so hard. People are so mean. Their eyes are so closed and it's so hurtful, God. But we missed them. And we want to be with them. And just like that verse in Ephesians 2, where you change the systemic law, not because your law was improved, your law is holy and good, but because it was dividing people. I believe that systemic racism and injustice is going to be removed by the spirit of God. Not so that me as a black man can get what you have from me. I'm getting that regardless but so that brothers and sisters can be reunited in Christ and that through Christ and through that agreement, our amens will ascend to heaven for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.